1: feeling better today my brother
2: don't have uh, no I'm not a couple of teams that probably no. don't have a uh, a great chance Michael of contending um, for the Super Bowl a couple of teams that have typically been um, laughing stocks um, for the most part the butt of jokes one has a glorious history the other one has a glorious history of choking but um two teams that made significant headlines, probably the most significant headlines of the offseason, if you ask me, um, are the Atlanta Falcons and the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, yep. The Atlanta Falcons yesterday became the first NFL team to have every player vaccinated against COVID-19. Um, this is from Scott uh, Beyer, Bear, I beg your pardon if I mispronounced your name, uh, from the team's official site. Um, And this means that they do not have to wear a mask around a team facility. Uh, It means that players also don't have to face daily tests for COVID-19 or quarantine after close contact with someone who does uh, test positive. So um, now a lot of teams, uh, have a high vaccination rate. Falcons are the first to one hundred percent, right? Um I believe I believe 20 teams have at least a 90% vaccination rate. As a matter of fact, I'll do you one better. Um I think the number I just want to confirm this. I think the numbers 91.7%. Yeah, 90 as of last week, 91.7% of players league wide had at least one dose of the vaccine. Um not sure. I'm curious as to who got Johnson and Johnson, and all they needed was one dose, or who, for some reason, is still waiting on that second dose. Right. Uh, I'm curious as to why it's not 100% across the board right now for NFL players. Really? Um, really? I, well, and I'll, I'll are explain you, are, to you why. I'll explain okay. to you why. I was um, going to say, but the Raiders part in this. Let's let let's get to the Raiders part in this. The Raiders, meanwhile. Uh, are the first team to require uh, proof of vaccination. To attend their games. Um, now the Saints, you may have seen the Saints, the Raiders, the Raiders are the first to require COVID-19 vaccination to attend home games. Um, without wearing a mask that takes effect September 13th against the Ravens. Uh, the Las Vegas mm-hmm. Raiders regular season home opener. Here's a kicker though. This is really cool. They also offer vaccinations on site at Allegiant Stadium prior to Raiders home games, allowing newly vaccinated fans to attend wearing a mask. Obviously, you know, I think it, what is it? Uh, was it 30 days uh, between shots? And obviously there's a couple of weeks that it takes for the vaccination uh, to really kick in and, and uh, provide uh, efficacy. Um if I'm saying that right. But newly vaccinated fans, cool incentive. You get vaccinated on the si- on the spot. Bam, you can go in wearing a mask. But last week, the Saints announced that they'll require fans to wear masks and show proof of vaccination or a negative covid 19 test taken within 72 hours of home games at the Caesar Superdome and uh, in Tulane in New Orleans uh, on, on the college football level doing the same thing requiring negative tests proof of vaccination wearing masks. Um but back to the uh, back to the players and why I'm surprised uh, even in this uh, politicized environment that we live in. And this is strictly political um, at this. Point, it is why I'm surprised it is at, at this group of people in, in particular NFL players because you're talking about uh, a unique individual. When you talk about a professional football player, you're talking about somebody who uh, is taught from a very young age that availability is the best ability. Uh, they learned that mantra very early, okay, that the difference between uh, wins and losses or the difference between you keeping your job and losing your job is your ability to get on the field. They learn to play hurt. Mm-hmm. They learn to play through pain. They learn to risk life and limb at a very early age. Simply put, you got to be half crazy in order to strap up and play that game. Even with all the safety rules, even with all the protections, even with all the, right. the, the measures designed to prevent people from being paralyzed or prevent long-term head trauma, it's, you still got to be crazy, half crazy, if not more, to play professional football, to play football. It is, a, it is what, it, what is a car wreck, a train wreck, whatever wreck you want to call it is happening play after play. And that's just on Sundays or Saturdays or Thursdays right. or Mondays, as the case may be. That's just on game day. Okay, mm-hmm. even between that we only know the half of what these players have to do and specifically what they have to put in their bodies in order to be available. So it befuddles me. It, it, it troubles me. It puzzles me. Hell it vexes me. Um, why people who for a living compromise their health, both short and long-term, would be reluctant, fearful, and distrustful of a virus that as a side effect or added benefit helps them be more available. So- You mean of a vaccination?
1: uh, not a virus. What a is vaccination! A virus? Not a virus. virus. Sorry. Yeah, a virus. vaccine.
2: I beg you. I beg you for your pardon. A, vac- a vaccine. Yeah. A vac- vaccine, vaccine that has a side effect yeah. helps them be more available for their team. Like as I, as we were on vacation, as I watched Kirk Cousins make an ass of himself, and as I watched Cole Beasley make a bigger ass of himself, I I, I kept saying like these are football players, and not to be stereotypical, um, but they put all kind of crap in their bodies all the time. They take right. all kinds of medical advice from team doctors. You want to talk about? That the they trust, don't even don't know. Don't want to trust. That they don't doctors. know what they take they don't advice know what from team do. doctors who have an agenda they for the most part. And I know they're independent neurologists right. who have you know we, we modernize. I'm with you. The medicine when it comes to Come the on. NFL for the you most part. You said it right part. the first time. There's independent neurologists right who the have first to time. clear them. No, no, no. There, are, no, no. I'm being accurate. I'm being accurate. I'm not talking about team doctors. Okay. No, I'm talking about the league's independent neurologists. Who do have to clear them okay. for concussions? There are independent, there right. are independent neurologists whose job it is to protect them against players. It may not be a a, a foolproof fail safe, but we've gotten better right. from the days of put right. some tuss, put some tussin yes. on it. We've gotten we've come a long way from it. that. There are plenty right. of players and, and and league personnel who have to succumb or who have to submit to the independent neurologist. That's a fact. Okay, just trying to be I'm trying to be fair and accurate here, but nonetheless, for generations, players have submitted themselves and listened to team doctors who were employed by the team, whose whose job it is to get them back on the field. So I, I spent the last several weeks and months scratching my head that this is even a conversation is the is the larger point. That's my point the fact this is even a conversation among football players who who will do anything to maximize a finite amount of time that they have to play this game. If, if anybody was going to be reluctant to take a shot, I would think that it wouldn't be football players given that a lot of them have to shoot up just to get on the on the on the field. So props to the Atlanta Falcons for reaching that hundred percent threshold. Um, and again, 91.7% the this is largely a non-issue again. 91.7% with one shot, not fully vaccinated, but for the most part, most, I mean, we've paid a lot of attention again to the Kirk Cousins and the Cole Beasley's or, you know, the isolated incidents of 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 anti-vaxxing, but you know, I I'd like to think that if any anybody would get it and be able to set an example even if it's not mandatory it should have been made mandatory. I saw uh, John Mara uh, wanted mandatory vaccination. It should have been made mandatory the union for whatever reason was reluctant when it came to making it mandatory. Thankfully, for the most part, it didn't have to be mandatory for 91.7% of players to get a shot. But nonetheless, the fact that we're just now getting a team to 100% uh, on August 17th and the fact that only one team is requiring proof of vaccination Given how rampant this Delta variant is running right now, given that only one team is requiring proof of vaccination and the other one is, and only another one is requiring wearing masks right now, just shows you how far we still have to go, uh, despite all the evidence that says we should have gotten our act together a long time ago.
1: Yeah, I mean, Mike, it, it's uh, I, I understand what you're saying. You know, they're football players, and the most important ability is availability. We've heard that many times, and it's true. You know, you could be uh, a decent player or a very good player, but if you're always injured, it's going to be tough for you to hang around. And, you know, the old school writers used to say, you can't make the club in the tub, right? All right. So we've heard all the stuff.
2: Even better. But this that's is bigger
1: favorite.
2: than football. Yeah. That's a Parcells one, right? Isn't that Parcells?
1: I don't know who gets credit for it. Uh, it, it probably has yeah. many, uh, many people who claim to be the, the mother and father of that phrase. I don't know. But I love it. Anyway, I don't know who came up with it. Props to you if you did. Whoever you you are, thank you very much. It's bigger than football. It is political and it's informational. This is a political war and it's an information war. Simple as that. That's what it comes down to. And I know every, every four years when we talk about, especially since the 2016 election, you know, leading up to that, polling suggested one thing and then the result, talking about the presidential election, the result went against the polling. And so the polling industry yeah. said, wait a minute, we got to recalibrate. we got to recalibrate. In 2020, we won't make the same mistake. And pretty much uh, the same mistake was made again. And we learned that polling, for all of the science and all the analytics to go with it, can't necessarily be trusted in the way that pollsters have been doing it. I will say to you that the new polling, the new political polling, should be asking people if they're vaccinated or not. It's, it's not foolproof. It's not 100% But generally, it's close. Generally, generally, those who are not vaccinated, those who are not vaccinated are either. uh, Republicans. Libertarians, I'm sorry to do that to you, but, you know, come on. Most of the time, libertarians are really Republicans in hiding for for the most part Uh, or people who don't vote for the most part. The unvaccinated are Republicans, libertarians, independents, people who don't vote. And if you really want to, you know, figure out where the country is politically, just go around and see who believes in vaccinations or not. It's much larger than football. I understand what you're I, saying, but it's much, much better than that. Can I
2: back you up? Yeah. Well, the, yes. I was basing it on the news uh, of the Falcons and the Raiders, but let me back you up and let me throw masks. I know. I know. Let me throw. Yeah, let yep. me throw a mask in that bucket for you. Let me I'm gonna just, I'm gonna just back you up with a stat real quick and then give it right back. But it's just a, just, just throw masking, you know, in, in that conversation as well with with vaccines. I literally just saw this poll. Here's a speaking of polls, right? I literally just saw this poll before uh, like moments before the show started. Um and this is uh the Axios Ipsos uh coronavirus index. Uh and it according according to which it's a survey of approximately a thousand US adults between August 13th and 16th 92 the percentage of adults supporting mandatory masking in schools. Okay, 92% Democrat, 67% Independent, 44% Republican, and overall 69% of surveyed American adults support masking in schools. But the survey finds that given that the Republican base, which I just mentioned, is going so far against the grain so disproportionately, that's why you have your Ron DeSantis and your Greg Abbott's of the world. taking the posture that they have as it relates to vaccine slash mask mandates continue.
1: And I say it's I say it's political and informational. What do I mean by informational? It all really comes down to where do you get your information? What do you choose to believe? Now? Uh, there are, are there are doctors out there. Uh, we, we we we've read about them. We've heard about them. We've seen them. They got videos. It's, it's all kinds of stuff. You can find doctors who are anti-vaxxers. You, are, you, you can find doctors who are on uh you can call them information campaigns if you believe what they say or uh disinformation misinformation campaigns and so if you get your news from there if you value what they have to say you're not going to believe somebody like me who says you know what go ahead and get that vaccination go ahead and do that you're going to say uh it makes you loopy you're going to say that uh the government is, is putting some type of device inside of you to control you you're going to say all kinds of things because that's what you value so it's informational and it's political i can tell you this now i'm going to i'm going to throw another O at you how about anecdotal i told you yesterday that mike i drove all over the country 30 percent of the country we touched 30 percent of the country on our on our fabulous drive the holly family and i can tell you we went to uh leave new england which is a heavily all all heavily Democratic heavily. Hey, let's put that back. Let's do that vaccine. Let's do that mass thing. Let's do it. Social distance. That's New England. We got to Ohio. Most people were all about it. Although I think Ohio is now a red state. Sorry. Sad to say it. My, my, my home state's a red state, uh, not crimson, not crimson and gray like Ohio state, but red uh, politically red. The last couple of elections, last election, last two Ohio, though, a lot of people wearing masks. As we started to go south, Mike, we were aliens. We would come out with our mask on. People would look at us like we were crazy. We went to your home state in your hometown. I think I counted oh, about God. a half dozen. I think I counted about a half dozen people wearing masks. Nobody, on, we didn't yeah. even touch Bourbon Street. Nobody on Bourbon Street, Canal Street, Poydras, whatever, all around that area, that tourist trap area. Nobody was rocking it because that's, that's really where we are you go to red states people don't believe it you go to blue states people believe it and and the nfl is no different than any other industry some industries uh, the employees are all about it other industries the employees are skeptical thank god for the atlanta falcons i don't know why they did it maybe they had an incentive maybe it was about football maybe it's about their politics i don't know i'm glad they did here's the last thing i'll say the Washington
2: football team got a, got a head coach. The Washington football team got a head coach that's, you know, immunocompromised, begging, uh, yeah. like, hey, like, like, stop depending on, on this uh, for your information. I mean, he went off to Alba Breer uh, in the Monday morning quarterback the other day. Just your point about, uh, about what you believe. Quick line on, um, that, uh, that a friend of mine that I follow on social media said, and uh, again, you talk about good lines, I like, can't make the club from the tub. This is about the fact that the overwhelming majority, and I'm talking about like high nineties, if I'm not mistaken, I don't want to put put any misinformation out there, but it's the overwhelming majority, uh, if not practically complete, the number of people of hospitalizations and deaths at this point is among the unvaccinated, right? You yeah, know what? I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm being conservative oh, to make sure I don't get yeah, it, wrong. That, but it's like, it's, it's not even no, no, yeah. you're correct. Okay, cool. So it's great. Yes. So here's, here was the yes. line. It was the line. Uh, and the line was, the thing about math is, if it's true, that is that it's true even if you don't want to believe it. <laughs> That's the thing about math. So we say <laughs> 99% of people who are in the hospital and dying of COVID are the unvaccinated. You can believe what you want. The numbers, as I used to say, they never lie. So you, you get the last right, word. You got to go to break before we welcome in our company. I, I know. Here, here's the
1: last word. All right. I, I feel like I have become... A more patient person overall I become more patient overall in my life uh, I am learning you know you know exactly what I'm talking about uh, you've been married 16 years right 16 years your honor 16 so uh, I've been married 14 so I'm still learning I'm becoming a more patient husband I'm becoming mm-hmm. a more patient father so I'm, I'm, I'm good in those areas. I, I, I can see the improvement. But Mike, I tell you, cer- certain things. Mm, I'm becoming intolerant in some areas of my life. I, I'm going to call myself out. I've become intolerant. You know, one thing I've become intolerant on. I'm just gonna call out. Yeah, look, you can judge me if you want. Uh, hey, I, I pray every day and every and, and my prayer always says, help me. <laughs> I'm giving I'm giving you my flaws. God uh, here. I'm bearing. I'm making them bare. Go ahead and touch them. I need it so you can pray for me on this. You can judge me. I'm becoming so intolerant with these vaccination incentives. Hey, you know, get a vaccine, you know, a million dollars. If if you don't believe <laughs> in vaccination, jealous. you get
2: vaccinated, you get vaccinated. I'm just hey, jealous. Hey, listen. I, I mean, like, I'm hey, why, why, why you had that in the beginning? <laughs>
1: why? I, why I, I couldn't you I, get that? I, I was, I'm
2: not, <laughs> I
1: got no time for it. I'm not trying, I don't want to incentivize it. I don't want to convince to. you. I'd be a terrible, I'd be terrible. I'm a terrible salesman. I'm a terrible salesman. You I'm not trying to sell to. you. Yeah. I'm, so, I'm, I'm so over it. I'm over it. Go ahead. It is not right for me to say, I'll say it. Go ahead. You don't want it? don't do it. Just the only thing I ask, just let a brother know, just let a brother know. Don't lie to me about it. Don't say you're vaccinated and you're not like, if you don't believe in vaccine, just let me know. And like we're sitting down together. Yeah. If I'm sitting next to you and you're not yeah. vaccinated, just let me know. Other than that, people I like do. to say, you do whatever you want people to be.
2: like to say. It's a person. I, I, I said you had the last word, but that was too good. The unvaccinated people like to say as a personal choice, a personal choice is how I'm wearing my hair. You know, a personal choice is like if I decide a tattoo. No, this is a public health issue. It's not a personal choice if your decision-making affects my life, my livelihood, my lifestyle, and and my ability and those that I love to remain healthy or just a function in society. But, you know, and the last thing I'll say as we go to break is that uh, because we got uh, Quincy Avery speaking of patience. He'll talk about all the development of these young quarterbacks that he uh, he mentors and tutors and, and teaches and trains and I'll talk to us about that on the other side of the break, but um, viruses are are such brilliant, brilliant uh, creatures, brilliant life forms, because this virus chose the perfect time to prey on our society, given where we are when it comes to misinformation, given how much people love to believe and subscribe to lies, and untruths and falsehoods. We saw how that's played out over the last four years, in particular. That virus was like perfect time to strike right now because they're 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 vulnerable and they're susceptible uh, susceptible to misinformation. And this is where we can uh, we can hit them when they're at their weakest. So, um, yeah, man. props to the Falcons, props to the Raiders, props to the Saints.
1: They are a stubborn people. To, to use biblical na- language. They are a stiff-necked people. Stubborn.
2: (laughs) Perfect. Perfect.
0: (laughs) The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble.
2: All right, we just finished talking about uh, vaccines, Michael, in the NFL and in society at large. Uh, Bears fans got a shot in the arm yesterday uh, when they got the news that uh, Matt Nagy is going to give Justin Fields some run with the ones. Justin Fields, first-round pick Justin Fields has been Bears fans QB1 since day one, uh, regardless of what the Bears may have promised uh, Andy Dalton when they signed him. Uh, Prior to the draft, Um, Justin Fields has a lot in common with Trey Lance, who has a lot in common with Jordan Love, who has a lot in common with Jalen Hurts, who has a lot in common with Dwayne Haskins, who has a lot in common with Deshaun Watson, and that is that they are all tutored, trained, taught, mentored by our guests Quincy Avery, uh, the founder and the architect of QB Takeover, emphasis on the takeover. I don't even know if you need an introduction at this point, <laughs> player. I, honestly, I mean, because I see you making the rounds. I see you making the rounds. You know, like everybody wants to talk to Quincy, so we appreciate him giving us, giving us some time and uh, and some insight into uh, into what his clients, uh, his his QBs, his his proteges, his friends. Um, his brothers are doing in the league and all of them are making noise in one way or another. So, hey, Michael, you know what? I'm gonna get, you, you. We could go any direction with Quincy literally. He's got damn They got every quarterback that matters in the league. So you pick the first quarterback that you want to pick Quincy's brain. Justin Fields. Michael I'll give you the first Justin, Fields. Justin Fields. Hey, you just hey, listen. Sure, we we just saw Justin Fields there. Uh, he went
1: to uh, one of the great universities in North America, the Ohio State University. <laughs> so, um, Uh, let's talk about him and uh, you know Quincy we talked yesterday Mike and I did about the timeline I say if you got a guy like Justin Fields you uh, go up you move up in the draft to get him Uh, you already missed with Mitch Trubisky you moved up to get him that didn't work out your jobs on the line go ahead put Justin Fields in there Mike says take your time oh where do you stand on this put put Justin out there right now or just let him uh, let him ease into the starting quarterback position
4: there wouldn't be, like, a ton of easing into it for me if I was a head coach of the, uh, the Bears. I'd be thinking, like, around week two, week three. Like, you can give him time to get acclimated, get him some reps with the first team. There's really no need to have him going out there the first week facing Aaron Donald, uh, Jalen <laughs> Ramsey, guys like that. Like, we'll let them, let them handle Andy Dalton, and then moving forward, we'll give Justin an opportunity to hop out on the field. Be the quarterback of our team and really start changing the culture there because I think he showed us all very early on, like the skills are there, the talent talent is there, um, and I think he's quickly going to show everybody they made a mistake passing on him in the draft and allowing him to go um, fall to the Chicago Bears.
2: Yeah, no, I, I just feel like playing when he's ready. If that's now, so be it. That, that's that's my main thing, Quincy. If he's ready now, great. He looks he certainly looked the part in, in the first one. If he's not all the way ready, no problem. I don't think it's some kind of indictment on Justin or on the organization. If, like you said, he's not out there facing, you know, two future Hall of Famers and a great defense, yeah, uh, I, you know, with the Rams,
4: I agree with that no, hundred percent. But the thing about Justin that that makes him so different is his like his mental, right? Like if he struggles early on, I think that he'll be fine. But he has the traits that are going to allow him to get out of situations. He's athletic enough where if something's a little bit cloudy, he'll still be able to make a play. The thing that I was most shocked and impressed with in this first preseason game was just the ability to work through reads. His eyes were always in the right place. His feet were tied together. Like, if if I'd have known he was gonna do those things that early on, I would have been shocked that he made it past the
2: second pick. I'm so glad you said that. God, I'm so glad you said that because it feels like, I'm old enough to remember when an unfortunate conversation popped up about whether or not Justin Fields was enough of a student of the game and work ethic and blah, blah, blah. So thank you for further dispelling that ridiculousness. But I also would love to know, you know, since it's been a while since we talked to you, and obviously, you know, a while since Justin was actually uh, picked, what has he improved upon the most under your tutelage or even just your observations from afar since he uh, left Ohio State Throughout the draft process and was taken by the Bears, where has he grown the most uh, since we last saw him play?
4: I think he's taken strides in just the discipline of playing the quarterback position. Not that he didn't do all the other things right, but I'm talking about being able to work through those reads, stay in the pocket, work progression one, see the sale, take his eyes back, get to the shallow cross, and then take his eyes to the basic. Like That takes real patience when you're as athletically gifted as he is, and, and now he has the ability to do so. And that's just a testament to him working and him really doing a great job in that playbook and being as prepared as possible so that he has the opportunity to be successful now.
1: You know, I, I think, uh, you know, Quincy, one, one time, I think maybe the first time we talked with you, we were asking about Trey Lance. At that time, he was a bit of an unknown, and uh, we didn't know. Some people said, hey, he might be a first-round pick. Uh, he might be drafted in the first half of the first round. He winds up being the third overall pick in the draft. And he had a, a really memorable play. His first game, uh, San Francisco's game against Kansas City. Is, is there something about him? Do you, do you see his ceiling even going even further? And if so, you know, what, what's the aspect of his game that maybe we, we are not talking about and we will be talking about in six months or a year?
4: So it's funny we talk about his ceiling. Like I always thought his ceiling was tremendously high because he hadn't had the opportunity to play with the elite talent around him, right? The guys that he was playing with, he was making them better each and every week. And he had the for- fortune of going to probably the best play caller in the NFL. So I think that he'll be very successful early. But the thing that makes him so great is he's going to be the best teammate that you could literally imagine. Like, he's going to get to the, the facility at 5.30. He's going to work his tail off. And when he's there at work, he's going to be getting better. And the strides that he makes in such short periods of time, just because he's just now getting this level of coaching, uh, I, I think it's going to be tremendous. And I think we saw flashes of that. That 80-yard throw, the guy who was the starting quarterback there previously would have thrown the 18-yard crosser. However, Trey has the ability to go make those chunk plays and if he can take that aggressive mindset where he knows, all right, I'm going to go take the big plays when they're available, but at the same time start taking those, all right, it's a little cloudy, let me get this seven-yard completion. Then you see his completion percentage jump up. He's a 60 70% completion guy with his talent in the run game. I think that the NFL will be in real trouble.
1: Yeah, I know what you mean about the teammate thing. Um, we talked with him right before the draft. And uh, yeah. we wanted to draft him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we said, hey, this guy, yeah. <laughs> this guy should be the first, he should be the first overall pick. It's just something about, he just got away with um, his perspective. Uh, you know, you can tell he's yeah. been around a lot of a smart friend. people. He's been around a lot of wise people. When did that, it, do you have a story of like, when that first jumped out at you? I mean, you obviously know it now. You see the picture of you two there, but when did it hit you that, Hey, this is, not your average, uh, this is not your average bear.
4: The discipline in his work before – okay, so he played that season at North Dakota State. Then we were supposed to come train. Literally two weeks before our first training session, Trey wanted me to map out each and every workout, what we were going to be working on and detailing um, in each of those workouts, and then the location. The, and I'm like – I didn't even think about why, but – Come to find out, he wanted to start working on all these things prior to him getting there. And then he wanted to make sure that he had a hotel that was going to allow him to get to each of the practice, the practice locations and fields um, 20 minutes early so he could start his work before he got there. And that's somebody as Damn. he was 19 years old at the time, right? There's not 19-year-olds old, year anywhere who plan and, and try and be prepared at that level the way Trey was. And, and I'm like, all right, this kid's different.
2: That's crazy. I mean, that's, that's some serious attention to detail right there. Speaking of intangibles, I don't know that anybody's questioned or doubted Jalen Hurts' intangibles. I, mean, I, I fell in love with the kid when he you know, went back to where he lost his job and placed a tour and won the conference championship uh, before he transferred to Oklahoma. This is back with Alabama. I mean, his intangibles had never been in question. But, again, this is just from the outside, Quincy. Like, where I, I, I don't read the Philadelphia Inquirer every day. I'm not listening to WIP. This is like from far away. Well, as far away as Connecticut is, <laughs> but it just seems like from what I have read that, you know, whether it's the organization, the fan base, I don't know that it's not. They're not sold on Jalen for whatever reason mm-hmm. that it's like, Hey, we want to we want Jalen to seize it to prove it with, you know, we're not declaring him the starter. It's not a gift. Give- I don't know what the deal is. So enlighten us on just where he is in his development. Uh, as the presumed starting quarterback in Philadelphia. But not just that, Jalen's a great example of, you talked about Trey Lance going to the best play caller in the NFL. Um, Does Jalen have the supporting cast around him that he needs Mm. to be successful, that he he can help to elevate with those intangibles and that ability that he brings to the table? I know there was a lot there, but we just love your assessment of where Jalen Hurts is right now.
4: Yeah, so I think that, well, Jalen Hurts is a starter. Let's just start there. They can say whatever they want. The team there knows he's a starter. Every guy in the locker room knows he's a starter, so he'll be the starting quarterback. I think what's going to, I'm going to say what's going to allow Jalen to be really successful this year. He has separated himself in terms of his accuracy and consistency from the pocket. He was in the 50% in the completion percentage last year, and I think that a lot of that had to do with not being versed in the offense, not doing a great job of getting to easier completions getting the check downs. He was, of all the guys in the NFL, he threw the the least amount of passes under seven yards that were completed, and it's just because he didn't throw them. He's going to do an amazing job of getting to those throws. That's going to allow him to be at that 65% completion percentage, and then everybody in the NFL is just going to look at him differently because of the way that we look at and perceive stats rather than really looking at the film. And Jalen did a tremendous job of pushing the ball down the field and being accurate there, and we all know how athletic he is. But like you were saying, the person that Jalen is, that's what has allowed him to take over that locker room. And that's what makes guys around there say that he's a starter because he puts in work unlike anybody else that I've ever seen. In terms of just the physical, I'm going to grind it out. You're not going to be mentally tougher than me. And he just does that day in, day out. And I think that's why we're seeing so many positive things happen for that Philadelphia Eagles team now. You see him push the ball to Jalen Rager. Every time I hop on Twitter, I see him doing fantastic things. And it's because he's put the work in this offseason. So I don't think they're great at the skill position, but I think that they have enough there that's going to allow him to be successful. And he has done a great job of understanding this new offense, understanding the checks that need to be made, be made, and putting his team in a good position. And the better job he does of understanding those things, that's going to allow him to be um, a, an upper-tier quarterback. And I'm not sure – what level he's at this year, but he's going to continue to chop wood, become a top 10 quarterback, and then just continue to press mm. and then make sure people look at him like, all right, he's not only a starter, but he's one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. And, and,
2: and I'm, you glad you, I'm glad uh, you phrased uh, it that way. Go ahead. Sorry, Mike. I'm glad you phrased it that way, Chris. I made a mistake of, of, of using a starter as a substitute for a franchise quarterback. Like, I, I Doesn't seem to be much mm-hmm. doubt that he's going to be the starting quarterback, but It's a guy we'll get to in a second, you know, and no comparison really in terms of body of work, but whether it's the Deshaun Watson uh, speculation uh, around the Eagles, um, it just seems like even though he was a second round pick that there was some reluctance to say that, hey, he's shown us enough last year and in the time that we've had him that he's the guy for the long haul. So that's my way of asking the follow up question, which is going back to those intangibles that we spoke of a minute ago how how has jalen managed philadelphia how has he managed you know obviously going through the doug peterson departure uh you know the new regime coming in all the noise that is philly and on top of that a desired understandable one if i may add to you know being a deshaun watson sweepstakes how's he just keeping his head on straight He
4: has a good idea of, like, all those things that go around being a quarterback in the NFL and how loud it is in Philadelphia. But he does a better job of just blocking out the noise than anybody else. Like, all those things you hear him talk about in the press conferences, the things that he says to the media, like, he really lives that. Like, I've never seen somebody who was so locked in or singularly focused that they would Their phone's off, they're not listening to any of that. He just knows I gotta go to work every day and do the best job that I can do in order for us to be successful. So I think he really legitimately does, just thinks about how can I continue to get better? And and he's done that and I think that that's really all he can do in the situation he's in. And and, I mean, we talked about the Deshaun stuff, like they work out together, like we all know each other. Like that's the cool thing about being in like this quarterback takeover family, that we can communicate about all the things that are going on. He's probably more aware of anything. He has an awareness of like where Deshaun's at and all those things better than anybody else. So uh, we're, we're in a good spot. He's in a good spot. He,
1: he's mentally, he's prepared to go out there and dominate. You know what, uh, uh, Quincy and Mike, I, I'll tell you a story. I'm going to be watching the next year or, or two years. And it's, it, it could turn out to be a story of redemption. And that's Dwayne Haskins. Look, look, we, I mean, we talked I, to you to talk uh Quincy about. Uh, yeah. about Haskins and you were critical at the time. You said, "Look, he hadn't done everything that he's supposed to do." And this is when he was still in Washington and it was before uh they let him go. But that think about it. He's a first round pick Washington uh owner wants him. The the personnel department doesn't, so there's tension there. He goes there, he squandered that opportunity. Signs with Pittsburgh and now Based on the reports, he had a great game one in that same game against Philly. He played really well. Yeah. And so now Haskins is he is he in line to he looks like he's already passed Mason Rudolph for the number two spot. Is he in line to become uh, the, the next quarterback of the Steelers when Ben Roethlisberger moves on? I, I, I just I'm just really curious about he's this story because uh, so yeah, clever. he really is because I don't think anybody saw this coming. Like, a lot of people gave up on him. After the Washington flame out, how do you see the Dwayne Haskins story right now, Quincy?
4: Yeah, and, and like I, I'm sure I told you, you guys this the first time, and I'll continue to say this, Dwayne Haskins is the most talented thrower of the football that I've ever met. And I've met a lot of really good uh, quarterbacks and really good guys at, at driving the ball down the field. Dwayne Haskins is the best. And I think that if he can just continue to do the things that he's doing, like he's got his head in a better spot, He's he's doing things the right way. He's And I think that he's around some good guys, and I think that one of our other guys who's there with him, Joshua Dobbs, is there to, like, really pull him along, like, hey, let's make sure we're doing things how they need to be done. And when he gets good people in this corner, I think that he he has a chance to have a really special career, and he could be the guy there after Ben Roethlisberger. And and they're not going to be in a position where they can draft the guy early. So Ben's not going to be there long. He may be be there the remainder of this season. But somebody's going to take the reins over, and I think it'll be him. And with a head coach like Mike, Mike Tomlin, who's going to level set with him early, let him know the expectations, Dwayne has a real chance to have a, a really good career in the NFL.
2: Jordan Love looks like he's for sure the guy whenever Aaron Rodgers moves on from Green Bay. Uh, obviously, you know, dealt with some of the uncertainty of the offseason, even though Rodgers uh, says he kept him in the loop the whole time. A lot of the reporting out of Green Bay seems to be that Jordan's not ready. Looks solid his first time out, uh, his first preseason game, but they say that he's not quite ready, which, you know, that's not, not an indictment of a kid. You know, He's a young kid who, who and not everybody's ready to play right away. Um, both in terms of what he's had to deal with, with the Aaron Rodgers drama, but also his development, having not had a regular offseason and preseason last year, but being able to be the guy this offseason while Aaron was taking his brief sabbatical. Uh, how close is Jordan love to being ready uh, to play when and if that time comes in Green Bay.
4: Jordan love could go out somewhere and be a starter right now and the team would be really happy with where he was at his development. Like we were talking about Jordan love didn't have the opportunity of going through. This is his first real preseason his first real practice opportunity last year. He goes into a situation where Aaron Rodgers essentially takes all the reps. He didn't really get the backup reps, and he wasn't dressed for a game. So you might only get four reps of practice. He had to do that for a whole entire season without a preseason like guys traditionally get their rookie season. So I think Aaron Rodgers not coming to camp, a mini camp, and all those different things was the most helpful thing for Jordan Love. Like, he really got an opportunity to be with the, love, be with the ones, um, develop a, a rapport with those guys, and also start understanding, like, this is what it takes to lead a team. I'm the guy right now. I know Aaron Rodgers is likely coming back, but right now I'm the guy. And, and I think he took full advantage of that, and I, and I think we saw that in this past preseason game because when he was out there, he looked really, really good. Uh, he, he completed the ball at a high clip. He made good decisions. I um, mean, He had that fumble, but that's just because the left tackle got beat pretty bad. But he just did a lot of good things that, that leave us really encouraged. And I'm excited about what he what he's doing there in
2: Green Bay. We saved the most complex uh, situation for last, and that's the, uh, the aforementioned Deshaun Watson. Um, i I just love to know, as best you could tell us, uh, obviously, you know, I know you're very close to him, um, and, and you're more than just a, a quarterback uh, tutor and teacher and trainer for him. We saw the video of him walking off uh, the field the other day seemed to be a little frustrated at constantly being recorded, walking off the field by the local media in, in limbo um, is, is the only way you could put it right now. Where is his head um, at this point? Just with
5: no, uh, no, clari-
2: no clarity or no certainty in sight right now.
4: Yeah, I think he's in a, a good a position as, as he could be for all the things that are going on from to trade to all the other things that are, are circling around the situation, but he's, I think mentally he's, he's a really a uh, tough dude, and I don't, I don't necessarily want to talk about him in, in that circumstance. But in terms of the trade, he's a tough guy. They know he wants to get out of there. I, I think we all understand how it could be frustrating walking out to the field and people just recording you like you're like a zoo animal every day going to the field. Like, he's not saying anything. Like, that would get annoying. I would be annoyed. We would all probably be annoyed. But I think he understands, like, he just got to go there, do his job until um, the trade – Hopefully a trade happens, but it seems like they they've been pretty consistent. Like at one point they're gonna have to trade him. He hasn't been practicing the last few days, so yeah, you know, like you said, like as he's basically my little brother. So my job is just to be there to support him, make sure he knows I'm there, and whatever he needs um, on my end, um, I'm here to help.
2: I just get, get you out on this one, man. Like, and thanks for running through all your guys with us. And listen, this just <laughs> the pros. Well, not even all the pros. I mean. <laughs> Uh, we got a couple more. We, cool <laughs> we could have touched on these were the marquee okay. guys. Next time you come back, we got to touch on some of the next guys, your college guys that you got, because uh, you got some high profile college guys as well. But we'd love to get you out on just this broader uh, question about your just how you're doing things and, and your influence right now that you have with these quarterbacks and therefore in the league. How does it work? Like, is it is it strictly off? It's not strictly, but is is it mostly off season? Uh, and, and mostly pre-training camp work and then you're watching from afar to see them apply what you guys have worked on? Is it, you know, every day constantly on text? Are you, are you having weekly film sessions with these guys? Like, what is the process now? Like, how much influence do you have on these guys now that they're out of, uh, out of your sight, so to speak?
4: Yeah, so like you're saying, off season's huge for us. We're going through working on whatever they, we felt like we needed to improve on. Um, and then from there, we start going on, like, how do we amplify your game on things you were good at? Then in the season, we do, I do send everybody their note package after the game. So I go through all their clips, talk about things that we've worked on, where they may have struggled. And then depending on, like, where we are in the season or what they feel like they need, we'll go through a game with them and we'll just look at it play by play. And then probably every – once every three weeks, once every two weeks, I fly to them. We go over some things like drill work that they need to be working on either pre-practice or during practice so that their skills could be at like optimal level because guys have a tendency to, to get worse with their fundamentals as the season continues to go on. And I think that I'll talk about Deshaun. Deshaun's last year, he did a better job than ever of maintaining those skills that he worked on throughout the offseason. season. And that was probably the the best job of like, as an example of showing other guys like this is what we did this is how Deshaun and I do it. Like, let's continue to have that same path. Um, so that's what I'll be doing with everybody else. Like Once every one to two weeks, fly out there. Monday, Tuesday, get some work in, um, and then, then keep it moving.
2: Well, hey, man, we appreciate you uh, taking some time for little old brother from another, because uh, <laughs> with, with all these quarterbacks, <laughs> you're a busy man. So, so thanks for coming by and dropping some knowledge. We appreciate you. And we'll talk to you again soon. Maybe there's a Deshaun trade around the corner. Who knows? Uh, And like I said, college football season kicking off real soon. So, um, you know, we got a lot to talk to you about. So don't be a stranger. I won't be. Appreciate y'all having me on. Thank
1: Thank you. Thanks for coming on. We'll talk to you soon.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters
1: You're not crazy about dealing with with us, especially in this format, yet you have a lot of outside interests that are are served by having a media platform. I guess my question is, how do you balance the two? you
0: say I'm not crazy about dealing with you guys? What does that refer to?
2: Well, you've said you you don't especially like the press conference format,
0: Mm.
1: and yet that seems to be the, the... obviously the most widely used means of communicating
2: to the media and through the media to the public.
0: Hmm, that's interesting. I think we can move on to the next question, Naomi. Do you want to move on to the next question? Um, no, I'm actually very interested in that like point of view. So if you could repeat that, that'd be awesome. I can't really speak for everybody. I can only speak for myself. But ever since I was younger, I've had a lot of media interest on me, and I think it's because of my background as well as, you know, how I play.
5: Hopefully, it's okay if I ask a couple of tennis questions. Um, the first one is just uh, uh, how the training has been and how your preparation has been for the for the summer hard court swing. And the second one is just related to your tweet over the weekend uh, related to what's going on in Haiti. Um, and uh, and yeah, um, just what your reaction is to the news there. Thank you.
0: Um, Sorry. No, you're super good. Okay, I think we're just gonna take a quick break. Just, uh, we'll be back in one moment.
1: All right, uh, Mike. You just saw and heard Naomi Osaka at her press conference yesterday. You know a lot of a lot of different trains running, uh, as the late August Wilson would say. Two trains running, at least, uh, or two, uh, two or three trains running in that press conference. One, uh, she was asked about Haiti. Uh, she had to pause. Uh, she did come back to continue the press conference. She was also asked about press conferences and her approach to them and how reporters engage with her and um, how she will continue to do press conferences going forward. And you know, I, look, we've talked a lot about Naomi, Naomi Osaka and mental health. And sometimes we had a very uh, you know, candid conversation, you and I did, Mike, about how you, how, how we approach mental health in our profession And, you know, just looking at that exchange, I'm not, you know, taking Osaka's side, if you want to look at it that way, or the reporter's side from the Cincinnati Inquirer. I know uh, Osaka's agent wound up calling him a bully later, said the bully from the Cincinnati Inquirer and didn't like the tone and didn't like the line of questioning. But larger than that, you know, I found myself thinking after viewing this exchange She's figuring this, she's figuring this all out in real time. So she has been very upfront with, oh, I'm not sure I've got the best way of handling press conferences. I don't know. I'm not a press conference expert, but it makes me wonder, are we press conference experts ourselves? Like, I, I go back, I think about my career. I, I, I was in my first press, conf, press conference where I was getting paid. Okay, I'll put it that way, when I was, when I was getting paid. I'd say it was like 1990 so it's a long time ago nobody really taught me how to do it nobody said this is what we're looking for from Uh you in the press conference setting this is what this is what we're looking for from you and this is your approach in other words there was no uh, Mike and you know what I'm saying here and you can tell the people uh, what this means There was no great Mm -hmm. Sawatsky moment for group press conferences. Nobody said, Hey, this is our organizational mantra. This is our organizational position in a press conference. I have, I'm thankful. Thank God. I'm thankful. I have worked at the Akron Beacon journal. I've worked at the Cleveland Plain dealer, uh, I was an intern at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I don't know if it was an intern. I had a, jo- I had a night job. I worked nights answering the phones at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Uh, I've worked at the Chicago Tribune. I've worked at the Boston Globe. Uh, I've worked, done some work for ESPN, Fox Sports, NBC. And at, at, I've never, at, at one of those places, had a serious sit down about how we're gonna approach mass interviews so as as Naomi my point is hey as as Naomi Osaka yeah as she figures out what this means for her maybe we need to figure out what it means for us too and she's figuring it out and I give her respect for it. she's thinking about it she's very candid transparent about like she doesn't know the right way to do it but I'm gonna say neither do we And, and maybe uh there there are a lot of things to take away from this one we need to uh, have a have a conference a summit about how we do business but two maybe the whole approach maybe the whole thing needs to be reconsidered uh is 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 modern is modern storytelling is modern sports writing is modern sports journalism dead I mean, is this even the way to do I'm it? I'm
2: so I, I'm I'm so pleased to hear you say that. I'm so pleased to hear you say that because it's it reminds me of 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 Billy Hoyle, in the backseat of Sydney. Excuse me, driving Sydney Dean in White Man Can't Jump. Michael, you may not be listening, but you're hearing me, because I distinctly remember telling you when we had this conversation. I remember one of the things I said to you. We had this this candid. Passionate conversation back at the French Open. I said, just because it's been done a certain way doesn't mean that that's the right way. Just because we've always done it that way doesn't mean that we can't evolve together in this process. That this can't be a learning opportunity for everybody involved. It's like, oh, people have, athletes for centuries have had, not centuries, but athletes have always had to stand up there and face the music. And why is she so different from anybody else? Like, maybe this is a turning point. Maybe this is an inflection point when it comes to athlete media relations. So I am thrilled to hear you say that because that's what I've been saying since this whole conversation started. And thank you for bringing up the name John Sawaski because you know what that man means to me. John Sawaski is the interview scientist. John Sawaski saved my life. Can I take some time and tell a quick story, Mike? Well, not quick. I don't do anything yeah. quick. I apologize. Go but can I take ahead. some time to tell, tell a story about John All right. I'll ahead. try to be quick, yeah. relatively speaking. I'll try to be quick. <laughs> okay. Um, I remember I was, uh, so started at the Boston Globe. Um, I was at the Boston Globe from age 21 to 24. Um, and when I got to ESPN at age 24, 25, uh, I got that September of 04, 25, excuse me. I got to ESPN at 25. You couldn't tell me that I didn't know how to interview. Hell, I had, I had spent three plus years observing Michael Holly joined it the hip and Michael Holly. You couldn't tell me. I didn't know how to ask the right questions. You couldn't tell me. I didn't know what I was doing. Hell, it got me to whatever I was doing. I was doing something right. Got me to the Boston Globe. Got me to ESPN at 25. I know what I'm doing. Well, there was this um, highly recommended and eventually mandatory uh, summit that groups of reporters and producers had to attend with John Sawatsky who is a Canadian journalist turned uh, professor and interview scientist. He's written books on the science, not the art, but the science of interviewing. And I was like, no, I'm good. And I managed to avoid it out of arrogance. Eventually, they made me do it. And it changed my life. It changed my perspective on interviewing. And what I realized is that we don't know what the hell we're doing. Just because we got tape recorders or notebooks or credentials or just because we're journalists by trade, the vast majority of us people of our ilk have no idea how to ask questions. Because first and foremost, we believe we got it twisted as to what is a tough question. We think tough sounding questions are tough questions. Half the time, we're not even asking questions to begin with. Half the time, we're just saying, right. talk about. Half the time, we're right. just saying, we're, 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 having, we're, we're coming in and we're looking for the athlete to confirm what we've already assumed or presumed once we get there. We've already made up mm-hmm. in my mind what the story is, and we already have our opinions, and then we ask these loaded questions. The vast majority of in. us... Help me
1: fill in the yes. body of the story that I've already
2: got formulated. Yeah. The vast majority of us fail to ask open-ended lean and neutral questions. Let me say that again. Open-ended. I am gonna give a little uh, 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 on the spot. Uh, lecture right now. Yep. Open-ended lean open-ended. and neutral questions. All right. All right. Open-ended not yes or no. Okay, but why how what which forces the subject to storytell it makes them do the work that's a tough question the shortest mm-hmm. and most neutral and open-ended questions can be the toughest questions because it makes the subject have to be that much more reflective and thoughtful okay makes them do the work versus just yes or no okay and then i'll get to darty and his mistakes with all due respect lean keep it quick and admittedly michael and we talked about we joked about me not being quick or, and we're not really quick on the show in general but like I know I know I'm breaking my own rules and Sawatsky's rules when I ask certain questions because it's a conversation versus an interview and I made the not determination that right. this is going to be a conversation and there's a difference if you want to have a conversation if you want to be Oprah then be Oprah and have a conversation but if you're doing an interview it is not about output it's about input It ain't about you asking a question Ain't about you sounding smart or thoughtful or informed when you ask the question. It's about the answer. Just like a window ain't about the muck on the window. It's about what's on the other side of that window. The window serves a purpose, but it ain't to cloud what's on the other side of it. And when you, cl- when you muck up your question with all kinds of opinions and thoughts and, and, and preconceived notions, you ruin the answer. So if you're doing an interview, do an, in- do an interview. And that leads to the neutrality of the question. Your question can't come with, with, with your opinion on the front end, and then you're asking the question on the back end because now the subject is going to respond to all the stuff that led up to it, which brings me to Darty. Oh, the opinion? When he said, You're not right, crazy. Right. When he says, You're not crazy about doing this with us. So you've established the tone of this off top. And he ended up asking, he ended up eventually asking, an open-ended neutral question on the back end when he said how do you balance these two things and i've heard more difficult questions listen respectfully to the agent that wasn't that wasn't a bully question we've heard people ask much more aggressive not difficult but much more aggressive questions at press conferences or in right. interviews before so that, that wasn't the worst thing we've ever heard okay so i wouldn't i wouldn't i wouldn't say this is not like, oh, man, he was completely out of line. But his question could have been more effective. That's number one. That's, not, that's, the main, that's my main point. And we've heard this quite a few times. If you listen to these questions carefully, I'm like obsessed with this. A lot of times, uh, an answer, just because somebody gives an answer doesn't mean it was the best possible answer. could have been a better answer if you'd asked a better question. And there are so many bad questions that elicit the responses in kind that end up going viral or somebody walks away or somebody gives a flipping right. response till it's like, oh, what are, you did your job. But well, not really, not really. And you don't know what you don't know. So you think you did something right when you really asked a, a, a crappy question, but they responded so I guess, you know, all's well and ends well to some extent. But the question wasn't horrible. It was, it was the preface to the question that seemed to trigger Naomi Osaka. And I feel for her because I, I, it felt like it was a genuine reaction and it felt more like she was, again, is just from afar, it felt more like, Michael, you tell me if, if you picked up on this, it felt more like she was responding to the, just she was kind of like replaying everything MVP. in her head. It was less about what was asked right. and more about how she struggled to answer the flawed question. She was str- clearly struggling to answer it in the way that she felt like she needed to, or they wanted to. The moment just got the most of her at that point, uh, for whatever reason. The question, while not the most aggressive, it it triggered her because it was it was a, it was a uh, I wouldn't say it attacked her, but it the the even the premise, the premise rooted in the preface was. Well, how do you balance these two things? How do you balance, you know, your brand and, and your, 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 your media empire, your documentary or social following with coming here and subjecting yourself to our flawed questions? Well, that's not the same thing. Like, you shouldn't have to balance those two things. Like, right. one of them is a, is, a, is, an op, is a traditional obligation. The other one is an athlete, like many are doing, taking control of their own story, their own narrative, and doing things on her terms. One's, one's a choice, the other one is, has, has been traditionally part of the job, which, you know, in closing, brings you back to what you said. I, I've long since said that I, I just, I don't think this should be a requirement. I get why it's a requirement, but I do think there needs to be a larger evaluation as to the value that we're getting out of this and whether it should be required because there are enough people, there are enough people who are comfortable in that setting. There are enough people who, who, who don't mind answering these questions to where if somebody is clearly struggling with it, uh, I think we should approach it with compassion and patience and understanding. Like you said, Michael, I love how you put it. Let her figure it out in real time, not on our timetable. And moving forward, not continue to judge her or anybody like her or or any athlete like her uh, that is struggling with this, this obligation, you know, like let's, let's, it's, it it doesn't always have to be, there needs to be some separation and some objectivity when it comes to journalists, but it doesn't always have to be combative. It doesn't always have to be adversarial, you know, like everybody eats B. So that, that would be my takeaway from it all is that clearly she's still struggling. Clearly she's not right, whether it's got to do with tennis or otherwise. And that's and as we as we all fond of saying nowadays, it's okay to not be okay. So if she's if she's not okay. I'm fine with that. And we should not somehow take that as, oh man, you know what? Under whom much is given, much is required. And and these kids so soft nowadays. And and you know, well, uh, what if what if LeBron did something like that? You know, what if Michael Jordan? Michael Jordan could have never got away with pulling out. Michael Jordan had to, you know, do press conferences. People had been having to do press conferences. Suck it up. They're a professional right. athlete. Blah blah blah. It's like, it's like so you said, old. man. I like know. you said, it's like just... I've been saying. Maybe we got it wrong. Maybe we got it all wrong.
1: Yeah. And, oh, and and you know what? Or or let's say it this way, Mike. Maybe we got it right at the time. So maybe yeah. the way it was done in 1987 was the right time for 1987. It was the right setting. And just like anything else, uh, whether, it's your, whether it's your car, <laughs> whether it's your, your mattress, uh, whether it's your house, your kitchen, your kitchen, if you're married, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> At some point, somebody goes into that kitchen and says, this is not gonna work anymore. <laughs> Wait a minute, it y- was y- fine. Y-
2: it was fun. What do you mean? Wait, you about to get re- you're about to get a remodeling? is, is only pushing you to remodel no, no, no. the kitchen? Is that what you... No, no. Oh, Listen, okay.
1: no. Whenever we move, I'm just going to be straight up. Whenever we move, we move, I just know. You go into the house. Look, I, nobody goes into a house. Most people don't go into a house and say, this kitchen would be great. And usually I wish I'd be refreshing if that happened. Most of the time it's, oh, we got to do the kitchen over. Oh, here we go. Uh, but that's yeah. what like, a lot of people look at it. Look at it that way. It was fine 10 years ago. It was fine five years ago. But just everything has changed. Evolution has happened. It's the evolution of sports, the evolution of society. And so I think that's where we are with not just Naomi Osaka and tennis, but a lot of sports. I mean, think about it. In 1995, 1998, the press conference may have been the main vehicle because there was no Instagram. There was no Twitter. Uh, there was no partnership between a lot of networks and sports leagues like there are now. I'm I, I, I'm I'm close to home. I'm close. I'm close. So people are some people right now. at NBC are saying, "Oh, what you what, what you saying, preacher?" Okay. There's a partnership between NBC and the Olympics, right? There's a partnership mm-hmm. between NBC and 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 the National Football League. Same with CBS and ABC, slash ESPN and Fox. Because of that, interviewing and access has taken on a different look, a different feel than it did 20 years ago. That's just a fact. And so League insiders in the era of Will McDonough in the late 1980s are different than League insiders in 2021. So you've got to adjust to that. And that's that leads to a different type of relationship between athlete and insider, athlete and media. And uh, you already brought up the point of certain athletes controlling their own story. So uh, let, let me make it plain. Some athletes are saying, what's in it for me? They never had to say that. Maybe they didn't say that 30 years ago. It was obvious what's in it for you. This is your this is your main media vehicle. This is your main communication vehicle. And they look at it now and say, well, no, this is not my main vehicle. This is a nuisance. So if you can explain what's in it for me, I might do it. Otherwise, what's the point? So maybe we well, all just have to sponsor, come back to the sponsors table. Sponsors
2: would like a word with us. Sponsors would like a word with yes. us. The tour would like a word with us. There, there is, I, I, I do understand, And as you mentioned, the networks, the networks, the sponsors, the tour, right. like, there is a larger machine that requires naomi osaka yes. and others to feed that machine i i understand i overstand that i i get it all i'm saying is is i'm I, i'm okay with you, you know uh there's been some unfortunate analogies used over the years about inmates running prisons and whatnot but you, you remember like mm. and it goes back to elementary school you know if if uh well, if, if, if you don't do it, then, then, then the next person's not going to have to do it. Like, if, we, if we let yeah, you yeah, off yeah. the hook, then we got to let everybody off the hook. It's like, well, no, not necessarily. Not necessarily. You know, I think we can, I think we're all, we all should be mature enough to say, you know what? This doesn't work for her. It does work for the vast majority of her, her colleagues, contemporaries, and her peers. This doesn't have to be as difficult as we're making it out to be. Yeah. Now here's the thing. That's we right. And we didn't, and we didn't show the rest, you know, we, 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 showed the, the part that grabbed the headlines with her breaking down and leaving. But she, as you pointed out, Michael, she did come back and she did finish the she interview came back. and she did answer the questions. She did answer the questions. So it's not like she just tapped out, but, um, I, I, I love your, I love how you started this. Um. You know, and I, I won't ramble anymore. Uh, thanks for letting me nerd out because because when I, when I really want to nerd out on, on interviewing because I'm like, we, we, yeah, so I'm you glad you did. Over. Terrible question. I'm glad you did. I like I mean, how you started it, which is which is as Naomi figures out how she's going to move forward in real time. Let's make sure we take this and take this opportunity to evaluate how we're doing it in. Real There's time. a lot and to maybe more yeah. people need to hey, look it up. John Sawatsky, S A W A T. Uh that's KY. John Zawoski. he will he will change your life. He changed mine. Uh, matter of fact, he will change how you argue. Because let me tell you something. He change how you
1: argue and he'll change he'll you get change with the your way significant you other.
2: Yeah. You get into it with your significant other? It could be pretty handy how he teaches you to ask questions. Tell me. Yep. And he'll he'll
1: changes how you uh, view those questions too. How you view other people Asking questions. And it's the last thing I said when I said, uh, you know, is sports journalism dead? I hope not. Uh, but I think it's becoming more and more rare. Like the so-called purity of sports journalism. It's, it's hard to find purity in it because it's just so many. There's so many things to consider. Okay. Uh, let's say when uh, if you're covering a beat. In uh, the, the 1990, early 1990s. Maybe you don't have to consider, hey, uh, I'm a reporter uh, somewhere in the middle of the country and I can get a scoop by outworking the other guy. Well, that sounds nice, (laughs) right? That sounds good. That's not really how it works now. You know, a lot of scoops come from the top. Uh, You have agents who say, hey, Joel Embiid, is going to have, it's going to sign uh, the Supermax. Am I going to give that to somebody in Philadelphia? I don't even know who broke the story. I'm just using that example, Mike. Um, am I, I going to give that to somebody in Philadelphia, at the Philadelphia Inquirer? Or do I, am I going to, uh, is that another Woj bomb? Will I give it to Woj? Um, Marcus Smart, $77 million extension with the Celtics. I don't know if that, was that, did that come from the Boston Globe or the Athletic? I doubt it. So it's just, it's different now. And, and we all have to just look at where we are and how do we manage in this new ecosystem that for, for some of us, uh, for some of those who are under 30, it's not new, it's just what you know. Those of us who are over 30, other side of 30, it takes some adjustment. So the athletes are adjusting, we're adjusting too. We just gotta figure out the best way to do it.
2: Um probably best time to take a break, and it's funny, this topic yep. dovetails into um, some athlete-generated content want a preview, and you just touched on a couple other stories that uh, maybe we get into on the other side, which was uh, Embiid and Marcus Smart uh, both getting bagged, um, so yeah, but no, um, I hope that was a productive conversation, I always wonder if if viewers care uh, about our perspective on our job. Like how the sausage, the curtain, but like how the sausage is how how sausages sausages made. made. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I'm telling you, man, exactly. like, you just want to eat the sausage. I don't want, I don't want the details. Just want to eat the links, eat. right? <laughs> even the people, even the people who are famous for interviewing are actually not good at it. True story. Like if you understand the science and you, and you notice the flaws, you'd be like, damn, this person like gets people, famous people, and like as a you know millionaire a million times over, but that was really a crappy question. But again, are you in conversation or are you doing an interview? And if you're an interview, you are right not there. the story. That's the distinction. You are not the story. Right. Ooh, I love it. I love
1: it. See, I do, I love it. I love this, man. I hope y'all enjoy some of it. I hope y'all enjoyed like three minutes of it. <laughs>
2: Hey, I'm not sometime in, like we say in New Orleans. Uh, I told you I stopped being a Saints fan uh, in the early 90s. But Jameis Winston is my quarterback. I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, I, I listen, I, I'm a New Orleans fan. And therefore, I do have a rooting interest in seeing the Saints succeed so my people could succeed. But Jameis Winston is my quarterback. Every time you look, this man having fun. I mean, listen, I might have to draft him in fantasy. <laughs> Because whether he running, whether he running through tackling dummies, or whether he dancing, that's or whether much. he eat the W, I'm always like, what are you doing, that, that, Jameis? <laughs> that,
1: that's too much love for it. me. Love
2: it, love it. That's too much. Love it. Like, oh, oh no, no, does. stop, don't no, show
1: it again. Let's show it again. <laughs> I, feel, I, feel, I feel, like I shouldn't be watching this. I feel
2: like it's it does. Rock. It feels a little. We should, we should have put some kind of like a warning for our younger viewers. It's all good. You know, All what, right. I, Speaking of, we should what. I, Two and below,
1: two and below, blur it out. You know. <laughs> <blur it> out. <laughs> All
2: right. Speaking of stuff. Speaking of stuff uh, that uh, that kind of like you know makes your head explode when you see it. Did you see Travis Kelsey, um, or what's left of Travis Kelsey? I don't even recognize the dude. He looks. It doesn't look like a current player. He looks like he looks like a player from back in like like somebody that played like in the nineteen seventies. Like if you'd have told me, you know that 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 was uh, you know. Uh, one of the, I don't know, John Hanna or somebody. I don't know why John Hanna came to mind. I'd have been like, yeah. absolutely. Like, who, like, so now I was thinking about targeting Travis Kelsey because he's by far and away the best tight end. I was thinking about targeting him the first pick in my fantasy draft. Now, I don't know and I, I appreciate him having fun with it mm. after Twitter roasted him, but like man, like I, that. Tra- I, I don't know if he was the last time he shaved and if he has anybody in his circle that could have discouraged him from doing that because respectfully humbly respectfully not the best look for uh, my man Travis Kelsey.
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, you know, not that I'm not that I'm holding on to old wounds. But I just, think, I just find it interesting that you t- said you're going to spend a first round pick on a tight end. Not that I'm holding on to getting roasted by you and Charles Robinson
2: about a different 10 day. years ago. A different day. 10 that was a different day uh, okay. and it was not. It hey, maybe was I was ahead day. of my time and you maybe I was oh, ahead wait, of my time. What, do you remember? Do you remember which tight end you took? Jason Witten. I know. Yes, it was Jason. Whitten. Yeah. Mr. 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 nine yards of catch. Like, okay. Like, okay. It's like, okay. one thing to take a tight end. You took Jason Witten, bro. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like, I yeah. was, that was an awful. awful I, pick. Know, I, I felt awful so. Pick. You know what? You know what I felt? It was a PPR I league, like but was he wasn't great. catching that many balls.
1: I thought I was bullied. I felt like it was bullying. It was uh, it was uncalled for, and I wish the league. The league had a lot of great things. The Super League uh, that we played in, what, twenty was that twenty teams in that league? It was incredible. Twenty team league, which I'm back all in. the by uh,
2: I'm back in that league. I, Charles all the all the
1: football. Year. Some of your favorite football writers from around the country, Michael Smith, okay. uh, you know Jared yeah. uh, Jared Bell, like you know uh, you know yeah. Charles Robinson, a lot of people. Uh, and uh, I, I really felt like the league had everything except a human resources department. I felt like I needed to go to human resources and just, just kind of unburden myself and just talk about the way y'all treated me. But anyway, you're right. It's a weird look for Travis toxic Kelsey. Environment. Weird look. But I would draft him. Yes, I would draft him in the first round. No question. I don't question. know, man. I'm
2: wondering if, he, if he'd have lost his superpowers. You know, he, looked, he just looked like a nah, different guy. No, he cat, got it. You know? You know, in a supercharge, he's in a now, supercharged so offense stance. yeah he is he no is. i was working for um, him okay um, and you
1: want to get to this uh he, athlete uh this athlete content or no no no
2: before no. before before that, before that no. no i wanted to um well this is athlete generated content it comes courtesy of javel mcgee uh his vlog uh on youtube uh giving some behind the scenes access To uh, the locker room after Team USA took its fourth straight gold medal. And yo, man, we talk about media access and interviews. And like we know, you know who does not suffer foolish questions is Greg Popovich. He also doesn't suffer foolish analysis either. And I know he's your favorite coach. So I know you've been dying to hear uh, this speech. But I I thought his speech was amazing in the locker room. Here we go. And uh, all of them kept receipts whether it was Katie, whether it was Draymond, you saw it, okay. even on vacation, of, of all course, of them course. kept receipts. Of course,
1: of course because that's Pop just what they no do different. all the time.
2: Check it out. Pop was no different. It's an honor
5: to a <laughs> groups of uh, Olympic champions. That's what you are. And this, I just got to tell you, I feel so fortunate. Having the opportunity to be with all of you guys, to be with the staff, uh, we've gone through a lot. And as I said at the beginning, before the game started, all the challenges you guys met and your courage and tenacity just worked right through it. In the beginning, you know, people were talking about well, why is he on the team? You should have taken him. What happened to him? Why is he there? All, all the pundits, all these people who think they know something. Uh, and then, you know, we, we start out getting our ass kicked uh, after a couple practices, and you know, there it comes again these guys, this and that and the other. Then comes COVID. And the three guys walk off a plane the day before a game. And you guys went through all that stuff, and your families are sacrificing back there the same way. And that's why I'm so proud to be part of this site. Like, best feeling I've ever had in basketball. And uh, I would just like to say to all those people out there, how the f*** you like us now? Yeah!
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I really wish, uh, I really wish, uh, this is a mistake on my part. I really wish I would have asked for a holly box during That clip just now, because if only people could have seen the look on your face while you were watching. If only people could have seen. I mean, I couldn't. You know, it's like it's the he's a military man, okay? The military man served in the Air Force. You know, Uh, representing this country means a lot to him. Clearly emotional. Obviously, the last line made the headlines. That was that. It was kind of It was pretty much that. It was pretty much that look the whole time. <laughs> <laughs>
5: hey,
2: Mike, I don't even know, you know what need to say anything. I'm glad. You, I, honestly, I don't I even Mike, know if you need to say anything. If you want, you can say something. But I mean, the look says it all as far as I'm concerned. Mike,
1: Mike, I'm so glad that I saw that though. I'm glad I saw that and listened to it again. I'm not surprised that Greg Popovich took that approach, but it's just a reminder for me. It's a reminder for me. This is about, I'm gonna make this about me. Any kind of any kind of dream I have. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Cause I, you know, I'm always you know, Mike always making about other people. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry,
2: I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, that's good.
1: That's fine. No, that's fine, that's fine, that's fine. but any kind of dream I have, any kind of aspiration I have, that's greg popovich reminds me this is when this is where motivation from haters you know everybody all, everybody got these cute little phrases let your haters be your elevators and all that kind of stuff and and and, and do it do it in the presence of your enemies you know thou prepares the table for me in the presence of my enemies i mean it's all great people take that stuff too far and this is what happens when you take it too far that instead of enjoying the moment you won the gold medal you want to gold medal. You spend about oh, 47 seconds too much, too long on all the people who think they know things, all these pundits. It ain't about them. Do you do it for that? Do you do it to say, hey, I told you so? Or do you do it for the joy of, is it about the joy of the journey? Is it about the achievement? Or is it just so you can go back and go double barrels? I almost did. I don't care. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that would have been awful. <laughs>
1: I did. Uh, no, one I kind of kinda kinda, I kind of <laughs> caught sure. one right. kind of caught one one, one, <laughs> one went up What up went up. Uh,
2: that's all right. Ain't nobody is it business. so you, you can say it. Nobody don't worry about is it, it? Don't worry about it. it. Worry about is it, it, it awesome.
1: so you can say double barrels to your critics? So, I mean, I, I'm not surprised that he did that. I mean, that just tells but me, you know
2: what, man? I can't. He, I can't that, that just no, tells, me I, not not tells me about him. That's not fair. I don't think that I'm not feeling that's not fair. That's not I know you're not feeling great Popovich, which is why I want to play it. I know you're not feeling great Popovich. You've never felt Greg Popovich. You weren't feeling him all as coach. People, when we, when we all last- All these people we, who think well, they
1: know something, you know, see? they know- when, they, when, know, they we, never, when we were- and, uh, Let's, when let's we, get, and take it further. Take it further, Mike. You know, these people, they, they never played the game. They don't understand right, what it's like. Right. Hey, Greg, guess what? We you just, didn't either. You didn't either. I don't think, I, I'm gonna check. Um, I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna check basketball reference. I don't think Greg Popovich is in basketball reference as a player. I don't think. I don't think I saw an all
2: NBA team. In reference to a reporter. With Greg Popovich. We just used the, use the word bully in reference to the reporter from the Cincinnati Inquirer, and Naomi Osaka, right? Like, this is the reverse of that relationship. Like, Greg Popovich yeah. has often been a bully from his pulpit at the press oh, He is. No, he is. Toward, He's a bully. He's a straight up reporters. bully.
1: He is. That's exactly all what I'm he saying.
2: Is. Is. All I'm and saying we is, is. I know you don't like him? I know you don't like him, and that's fine. What I'm telling you. I don't think that
1: is, much about him. I don't think that much about him.
2: Er, early on in this process, and it was a process where they were losing exhibitions, and it was like, "Oh, we got to rethink how we do Team USA basketball. Maybe we should go back to and we college have, coaches, or, and we still may have to. Okay, but and we still may. So have no, no, no. To. Okay, but that's beside the point. All I'm saying is, I'm taking, I'm taking a very subtle issue, very nuanced issue with what you just said on the back end of that video, which is we can't have it both ways. We can't spend our days commenting, taking shots, criticizing, saying that this team ain't got what it takes, saying that it's, it's, it's poorly constructed, saying that they're not going to win okay. gold and that, 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 that you know yeah. they don't care and all this kind of stuff. And then when they win, expect them to just be quiet about it. Like, I mean, okay, we got the NFL right now oh, that's, trying to outlaw okay. taunting. I don't – hey, Mike. and maybe it's because it's, – maybe, maybe this says a lot about me. I don't mind scoreboard watching. Talk your ish, whether it's Draymond, Pop, whoever. If everybody was telling you what you couldn't, wouldn't, or or, 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 or didn't do, it wasn't and then everybody. you go do it, See, I, I got I, no problem with, you, with you coming back at I us. doubt it
1: was ever. I doubt, I doubt that it was. It's just like it's, it's what everybody does, including me, including you, and we're all wrong, and we got we all need a perspective check. When we say everybody's doing it, I can tell you this. Most people, Mike, most people checking for you, they're fans of yours. I, 90% of them are fans of yours. Now they're 10% who are just straight up haters. They they straight up they hating on your they, they're hating on your hair because you got more hair than they do. They're hating on your beard, they're hating on something. But most people are fans of yours who are checking for you. Most people who are checking for me are fans of mine. There are people who are not, and and they get in, and they get they get the bulk of the attention. Most people were not saying USA basketball needs to rethink it. Most people were saying go USA. Hey Kevin Durant, thank you for playing. Maybe not most, most but people, you
2: and I both know. But they're just you going with the loudest know. voices. Well, not just that. I mean, bro, Brady's still talking about you know the effort that the team is sticking with instead of him. Yeah. I mean, they, down, all, they all look, they all look for things. Most people, they are most all people motivated got you on a pedestal. They are all motivated by doubt. Some of it might even be self-doubt that manifests itself in the form of these isolated games oh, you're now talking, we're talking
0: about. All I, is, talking. Yes. all I
2: know is Greg Popovich is. and everybody else deserve the right to talk-ish to people like Michael Holly, who was saying he wasn't the right fit for that team. They're saying that team was flawed and that they were going to lose and they is, had to go back to the drawing Is it? That's all they listen. They, they, they got great. This the right is what, Craig, is. Is what Greg.
1: Okay, here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is what Greg Popovich doesn't want to hear. This, this is what he doesn't want to hear. And maybe this is why it's, it's on his mind. And you just said something. You just said something. Ooh, you said something and you should say it again. I well, should have like written it down do. when you said it to, when, when you well, not always, but when you said it the first time <laughs> I should have written it down or you said, hey, maybe it's maybe it's internal essentially. Maybe it's, a, it's their own self-doubt, and it's not the critics. It's just the voices in their heads. The fact it is... speaks to insecurity. Greg Popovich, Greg Popovich would have to deal with 1988. That's John Thompson. who was the coach of that team. And then 2004. Other than that, other than 88, 2004... And getting jobbed in 1972, the U.S. Mm. dominates Olympic basketball. Mm. And when the U.S. doesn't dominate Olympic basketball, people start to ask questions. And so, what Greg Popovich—I'm a psychoanalyst okay. brother for a second—what Greg Popovich didn't want is that he didn't want to be in that sentence that I just said. He didn't want to be. It didn't. He didn't want it to be on his watch. Is something wrong with me? Did I do something? We, wrong? Just, had, because we just had a one-on-one
2: class. Asking questions is one thing. People weren't asking questions. Usually, ask, people does like this. you weren't asking questions. You were making statements and you were asking rhetorical questions about this team. No, no, okay? no. See, now I got to no. put on my Team USA jersey. No, That's no, not no. True. You cannot have it both That's ways. That's not true. You cannot have it both I, ways. I, I, and, but and, I can't. And one thing yes, he can't. got right? Sure can. But one thing he got right was half the time we don't know what we're talking about. And you started this off saying okay, right. you're not making it about you. Sure, and you haven't sure, made it about Greg. you. So what? But let's but let's stay, but let's stay on that path. Let's stay on that. If, we, if we're not making it about us, we can't. We don't take ourselves too seriously. Let's admit that we don't know how we're talking about at the time. And by we, I mean most, most of, of time us doing don't. this. That's why. That's and yet they still gotta hear people, it.
1: Wait a minute. That's why people ask questions. Hey, Greg,
2: ask the questions. A I'm talking question. about the statements
1: that somebody, were made no no hey, hey hey, listen I know the bully he's a bully let's call it what it is he's a bully and most people sit there and kiss his ass because I don't know they don't want to be bullied or they they got to work with him they got to see him again most people don't call him out I got no relationship with him so I'm just gonna call it what it is I, I see I see and I hear a bully now look there's a guy who asked him a question why Aren't you? I, I can't remember how he's, exactly how he phrased, it, but right. he asked a very good question.
2: Yeah, when they weren't blowing people after lot, they I lost to. Yeah.
1: Hey, oh, hold on, hold on, let's see. Nigeria. After they lost to Nigeria.
2: <laughs> or it might, have, it might have been after the they lost to Nigeria. Life. After My they memory, lost, yeah, or yeah.
1: after they lost to Australia. And there's the first time they lost two consecutive exhibition games ever. That's news. That's the definition of news: something unusual, right? So they they lose back-to-back exhibition games, and somebody asked him why this is happening, like why why aren't they dominating these teams, which they usually do. That's not it. That's a fact. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to just sit there, and just lecture people. Look, that, that that's not it either. Okay, if, if I'm gonna let me let me let me uh, come up with a compromise. If you don't want reporters to make statements, and they shouldn't. They shouldn't make statements. They should ask questions. And I don't even mean the reporters. reporters I'm, should talking ask about questions.
2: Comment, I'm talking about the commentary. Even Twitter. Okay. I mean, commentators should
1: probably, probably, commentators should ask questions. But those, I, I can't sit there and say, if you criticize me as a commentator, if you criticize me as a journalist, the weakest thing I can do, Mike, is say, well, you ever been a commentator? Have you ever written for the Boston Globe? Have you ever written a book? That's not the point just because they didn't do it. That doesn't mean their, their criticism is not constructive. Their criticism is valid. It, just because they didn't do it. That doesn't mean their criticism is invalid. I think that is like the lamest and, and, and the most distracted way
2: of, of handling criticism. And By the way, I, I, I want just for the record. I want to repeat this. I want you to hear me. I've always agreed for the most part, for the most part. Um, about everything you said about pop and his uh, decorum or lack thereof but this just lets me further know that I was right I know my boy I know you Doug. I know you I know my boy I've talked to you enough when they were struggling I told you your commentary was rooted in your disdain for Greg Popovich I told you that I knew it was and all that just came out just now like it was like I, everything you said came back to pop and I knew that so but I don't want to stay part, there part I don't want to stay there Okay, That's a part big of part it. of it because there's another, I'm gonna cross something off my list.
1: You got another part. You got, you got, got, got another guy. Just real quick, just, just to be, just to be honest, okay? Oh, Kevin just pop, who else is on the team? Who? Okay. Kevin Durant. Well, <laughs> so funny. let me, let me, let yeah. me cross this right. off
2: my list. then. Let me cross this off my list. In the time we have left, I was going to ask, and we'll talk about it tomorrow because I don't know if you've seen this on the internet. Uh, uh, Bleacher Report's been promoting it. Uh, talk about athletes just deciding that they can, you know, like we, we, basically like. It's like X-Men, you know, and, and the athletes are these mutants, and they're about to render Homo Sapiens obsolete. Like journalists are Homo Sapiens in many respects because they just like forget it. We'll just have our own show. So Draymond doing a show called I think Chips, and he's interviewing Kevin Durant. We don't even have to get into it now because it comes out tomorrow. Maybe we'll talk about it. Maybe we won't. But I, I can I, I can imagine how you're going to feel about that if you decide to watch it. Um, I do well, want to we'll ask you. It. I want to kind of like I want to pick somebody. It's my out of job.
1: Thing. It's my job. It's your job. Okay. Yes, I, I will. I look forward I just,
2: to it. I just, want, I just want, to pick something out of your feed real quick. Uh, a couple, right. there's a couple of things I do want to get to with you before we go. Um, so let's yep. make this quick. Um, by, by marriage, you, Belichick in marriage, you mean figuratively speaking? Like, is he about to? Like, he's not about to like tie the knot for real? For real, is he? Uh, or are you talking about uh, Mac Jones? He, like, what, are we, what Mike, are we talking about? This low key marriage. Mike,
1: no, no, we are talking about for real, for real. Now, a couple of reporters. Oh yeah. A couple of uh, couple of eagle-eyed reporters noticed uh, in the spring. They said, "Oh, is is Bill Belichick wearing a wedding ring?" So they started doing some sleuthing. They went back month by month. Hey, he ain't got this ring on on, on his ring finger. He ain't got it there. And then suddenly, he had a ring. I think Bill oh. Belichick may have gotten married in the spring. Oh. Uh, He has been dating uh, a woman named Linda Holliday. They started.
2: Linda. That's right. right.
1: He started dating in 2007, so they've been together for a long time, Hmm. 14 years. Um, And and Linda and Linda Holliday is 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 no stranger to New England, to Boston. I mean, she's around. She's always with the coach. Uh, They have great times together. People see him out on their boat uh, in Nantucket. Uh, see him out at restaurants in Boston and Nantucket, her children, his children, uh, get along, the whole thing. So I think Bill Belichick hmm. just added a ring that's not a Super Bowl ring, uh, his second marriage. What? He may have, we don't know for sure, but he may have gotten married to Linda Holiday this year.
2: All right, before we move on, How about the only that, question man? that matters, especially. That's yeah, a mean, congratulations. Right, yeah. That's fantastic. Congratulations. congratulations the only Absolutely. question that matters before we move on is has it affected his demeanor with the media since we're talking about the media is he nicer no is he calmer no is he more forthcoming <laughs> no. okay cool all right no. <laughs> that's only the no. only, only way it affects us no, uh, no. i thought you were no. talking about no. mac jones or cam newton or something like that uh, i no, want to stay man. in boston with a real, you a real wedding so we saw a couple of we saw a couple of big uh, nba contracts get handed out um the Joel Embiid extension was obviously that's a no brainer. He's the franchise. It's just a matter of whether or not he's got to deal with uh, you know, Ben Simmons as a teammate, which you know, we all doubt at this point. That'll happen sooner rather than later. But Sixers paid the process. Uh, that, was, that was an easy decision. But I, I do want to talk to you about Marcus Smart's money. Uh, that's just a fascinating story. And as somebody who's close to the Celtics and obviously in Boston and has watched him his whole career, and I know the regime has changed, but he was always at the center of trade rumors. Um, and I know he's—I yeah. know he's the heartbeat of that team. I know that much. That he is the—he is the soul, the heart and the soul, the personality of that team. Grown into a, a leader yeah. on that team. Uh, you know he—he can—he can, he can hit some big threes when he needs to. He's not a dead eye shooter. He's there, hit Dray. He's there, Draymond Green. He's there, Draymond. He's their six four. Always Draymond been a dogged Green. defender. He's a gotcha. He's always been yeah. a dogged defender. We know about his personality on the defensive end, but to see him go from like look like they were always going to move him or move on from him—to now the starting point guard and getting this $77 million deal, i just love to get an insider's take on, on Marcus Smart's journey to this max contract.
1: Yeah, it's, it's interesting, uh, Mike, because last year, I feel like Brad Stevens, nobody had ever talked about how he didn't play in the NBA. That was a non-issue for the first uh, seven years of his coaching career. Uh, he was always a, 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 a underdog whisperer whether it was a butler getting them within a Gordon Hayward shot of upsetting Duke for the national right. championship. It didn't happen. That shot just went off the rim to getting his Celtics teams, the teams that were lightly regarded in getting them into the playoffs. But last year, something changed. And maybe it was the maturation of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. But it seemed like there was a vibe on the team that, hey, they wanted a former player to lead them. Mm-hmm. And so he kind of lost the team a little bit. And when he got, when he was moved upstairs to president of basketball operations, I I think it allowed us to see what he really valued. So Tristan Thompson got him out. Uh, Kimba Walker got him out, traded, put a first round pick with that contract to get Kimba Walker out of there, trading Oklahoma City. Um, Al Horford brought him back. Marcus Smart signed him to this four-year extension. My point is, I think Marcus smart was always a Brad Stevens kind of guy and this confirms it and they look at it and they say sure for what for what he brings to the team and what it costs to uh, get a player like Marcus smart. They look at it as a bargain. Number one two it's not a bad contract. Yeah. So if they if they change their mind next year. Let's say they want to bring in Jason Tatum's best friend. One of his best friends is Bradley Beal. They can trade oh, they, that guy. They Marcus have, have a salary smart
2: match deal. Yeah. You, have to have the, yeah. you gotta the, have a salary. Deal, yeah, you gotta smart deal The
1: smart deal is a part of that. So I think that's why they did it. Yeah. But yeah, it's gonna work out. Okay. It's gonna work
2: out this year. Okay. Um last thing that jumped out to me, we might as well just go ahead and finish here. Um Let's go ahead. Let's You got yep, another uh, dog? The big dog? finish. You,
1: you, Man. you got another dog, though? Man, seriously. Seriously, dude. This is this is this is a problem, man. It's a problem. You know, I'm gonna tell you something. I'm, I'm a, on Sunday, okay, let me go. Let me go back a little quicker. I told you we're, we're driving to the country. So many things happen on our drive around the country, Mike. So we're leaving Louisiana, leave Louisiana, go through Louisiana, Mississippi and Alabama. We're in Alabama about to cross over into Georgia. And Oni, my driving partner. Uh, she ain't saying nothing. I'm like, hey, hey, can we get some conversation going here? Like, I'm just sitting here driving. (laughs) Hey, like, what you doing? She's looking at her phone the whole time, and I know that look on her face. I'm like, oh, my God. I know what she's doing. And she's like, she's looking, and she starts smiling. I'm like, she's looking at a dog. And she said, how far are we from New Orleans now? I said, yeah, like, five. we left there five hours ago. Oh, my God. Oh, there's a dog in New Orleans and what's, if we what's, could what's, get the dog now. Well, we we trying what's to figure it out. his name? Lil Pug. We don't know her name yet. Lil, eight weeks old. Oh.
2: Up. Oh man. She said, That's adorable.
1: Can we turn around? She said, "Can we turn
2: around?" No. I, we. But bought a dog in New Orleans. Five hours away. She was going to. You bought a dog, in New, Wait, bought a dog in New Orleans. She was going to. Oh, okay, then, okay. okay, okay, gotcha.
1: She was going to. She was going to. But then what happened? You know what she did? She got the dog behind my back. So the dog just wound up on our doorstep on Sunday. Is it
2: behind your back? She's the boss, though. It's not behind your back. She's the boss. <laughs> if you can know do what you want.
1: I know, I know exactly. It's a shame.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
3: If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is,
0: I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because...